Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Coifcast. This is episode 13 of said podcast. I'm Ross Williams, your host, as always, and Adam Hughes, as always, is here as well. Um, we're going to get into plenty in today's episode. Uh, you know, it's, it's getting business end, isn't it? It's very much at the business end at this point. Um, this time in a month's time, we'll know our fate pretty much was a little bit scary, I'm not going to lie. Uh, we will address the Warrington game. We will talk about that. Uh, and of course, we'll have a big preview of Hull FC, uh, which is tomorrow as we're recording this. Hopefully you're getting a chance to listen to this Thursday evening, if not Friday morning. Uh, plenty on Hull FC and what is going to be an absolutely massive, massive game. So we'll get into that as well. Um, we are going to kick off by talking about last week's episode, though. Of course, thank you ever so much uh, to everyone who listened to that. I would imagine everyone listening to this has probably already listened to last week's episode. If you haven't, uh, it's pretty timeless, so do head back and listen to that one. Um, we're nearing a thousand downloads on that episode, which is pretty mind blowing to me. To be honest, the fact that you know we set up this podcast only three, four months ago, um, the growth's been pretty good, and obviously it was a big opportunity for us to get Grattan on, uh, even though it was the club themselves who obviously asked for the opportunity. Um, but yeah, uh, over the moon of how well it's gone down, and uh, I appreciate all the comments. And that's where we're going to start. We'll talk about that episode. And Adam's thoughts. So, Adam, uh, I'll bring you in now. Uh, first of all, how are you? It's very, very warm, uh, unseasonably warm here in September. Good... Dreadfully warm. I, I'm, I'm dripping here. I'm, I'm this, I won't lie. Um, yeah, how are you? And uh, how did you find last week's episode? Because you had a you had a nice kind of bench seat, I suppose, last week. Yeah, I turned into a, a listener again last week, and it was it's great to hear from Mark. And obviously, I'd like to second your. Thanks to him and the club for obviously giving yourself that opportunity to go and talk to Mark and kind of take a peek behind the curtain of where we stand right now when it comes towards the IMG grading and, and kind of the future of not just the club, but kind of the sport. And um, it just put into layman's terms, kind of some of the more trickier to understand metrics that these gradings are going to kind of be based on. The interview went brilliantly and I think Mark spoke amazingly and not surprising. I know Mark's not the most public-facing kind of uh, managing director, CEO, kind of top dog at a, a rugby club. And uh, I know some fans have given him some stick for that, but I know, I know firsthand we've both kind of worked under Mark. Um, he's a very hard-working man and he's got the club at heart. Um, so it's no surprise to hear that the club is in a good position especially with off the field sort of uh, on the off, off the field basis. The big standout for me was obviously the finances. I feel like that one was the one maybe as fans, we couldn't really judge because we don't kind of know kind of what cash reserves the club's got in the bank, kind of where next year's profit and loss and balance sheet is kind of looking, which is um, from what Matt was speaking about what the metric's going to be on. And what the grading is going to be based on is next year's sort of end of year balance sheet, profit and loss, things like that. But to hear that we're going to be matching up with those top guys, potentially being the number one top scorer on on that kind of um, grade is brilliant and really promising. Obviously, the big ones that all fans will have wanted to hear about is maybe his thoughts on the on the field performance coaching ins and outs which is always interesting um 
and I know you guys touched on it, but it obviously wasn't the right person to kind of talk um, that sort of sh that shop with. Hopefully, there's a further interview with potentially Danny Wilson. We don't know. Hopefully, if, uh, hopefully, if... I'll, yeah. Just, just I'll jump in a sec there. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, obviously, I asked him a little bit as you'll heard about playing staff and coaching staff. He couldn't really tell me much, and I kind of knew that going in. To be fair, and I, I, I you know, he kind of, as I was asking the question, obviously, I was, I was literally five yards across from him or three yards across from him. I could tell I wasn't going to answer there, but also I didn't really expect one. And fair play to the club, like I say, they have said that potentially. Well, I think I think yeah, Mark actually says it on on the recording. Um, as soon as we know what division we're in next season, for sure. Uh, they're going to offer up Danny for the podcast, which is which is brilliant. And um, you know the club have done a little bit with Danny Wilson so far in terms of media. Uh, there's been a cut of an interview here and there, and obviously we've seen a few um, a few of his comments on statements and such. But we've probably not heard from him in a kind of wide ranging conversation like that. And obviously, it'd be great to hear his his thoughts and kind of the direction of the club and what he's trying to bring that perhaps other directors of rugby or basically people in in the role of bringing players in and retaining players that they've, they've clearly gone wrong in the last five, six years. Obviously, I, I basically yeah. based the whole premise of the podcast on that, didn't I? So it'd be interesting to kind of see, uh, hear what he's going to kind of try and do differently, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, credit to the club yeah. there. I'll let you carry on. Yeah, it is tough to sort of talk about the playing group, the coaching group going forward when we still don't know the future, what the future of the club for 2024, what division we're going to be in. It's still up yeah. in the air. The team will look considerably different whether we're in the championship or the or super league we, we all know that yeah but i feel like when what max said about the squad that if the worst does happen and we do do go down the line i took from was he wanted to keep the core young players together he wants to build around these players that we've seen and got a little bit excited about the sort of guys i i think of and pick out straight away sam hall Jason Gary, Gary, Kane Robs, a huge fan favourite. We've seen the kind of reaction that he's had to him being recalled from loan and being included in the squad this week. Hopefully, the likes of Jack Broadbent, who, if we do go down, will have a number of suitors in Super League from the performances he's had this year. If we could potentially keep hold of him, absolutely brilliant. And these will be the guys that Mark will be alluding to when he mentions that young car. One big thing I took from it was it's not the end of the line if we go down. It's not all doom and gloom. There are ways to get back into Super League for 2024. Arguably, if we think we're going to be a lower team in Super League next year, would it be worth going down and winning the grand final and the 1895 Cup and getting those extra points that make us almost equivalent to a 10th place finishing Super League? Oh, that was really interesting. I thought that that particular bit, because I didn't really know, well, I guess I could have really sat down and kind of crunched the numbers and stuff because it is there in black and white, but I'd not really gone into it to that uh, level. And when I asked him about that, because I, I kind of put that on his toes a little bit, didn't I, in terms of would it be even potentially better? Uh, that's not a question I had kind of written down going in. I just yeah. kind of realised it as he was talking. And yeah, I mean, the maths kind of adds up, doesn't it? You can go down, you can win. Uh, obviously, you want to win the league, then you win the grand final, and also the eighteen ninety five cup, which is another point one, uh, point yeah. one, whatever it is. Um, yeah, you can end up with kind of point two, point three points above uh, the team finishing in twelve, which is, is quite a considerable distance, to be fair, uh, in terms of the Andrew grading. So it is, yeah, it, I, I think you're right. I think you nailed it, and that's that. The real reason I wanted to do the interview when I when I was approached really was to ask that question. I asked it a couple of times. I think in terms of. 
yeah, are we going to be okay next year, no matter what? And yeah. that's really what the fan base wanted to hear, I think. And I think he did a pretty good job um, of answering that. Um, yeah. As you said, finances as well. I was very, I was, I was quite impressed by him, to be honest. The way I, I mean, you said obviously we worked under him. You absolutely, you literally worked under him. I was more of an interny type thing, so I never really had too many dealings with Mark really beforehand. Um, I, I was genuinely quite impressed with him as a bloke the way he came across. Um, because I literally had like a you know, hello and goodbye kind of thing, a relationship with him before, and I'd not really had a conversation with him. And obviously, something you can't see on the on the podcast because it's audio. Obviously, is the fact he walked in with. I want to say eight, nine pages of notes. <laughs> he kind of came in fully prepared and it wasn't just, you know, they've not reached out to me to do the podcast just to kind of, this will do and then the fans will shut up for six months. You know, it, it, I, I don't, I genuinely don't think they did it just to kind of fob everyone off and just kind of a, a one and done and that'll be it. Um, I think they genuinely want to talk through it and I think he genuinely wants to get some points across and, you know, I think it's for the good of the fan base and that's really what he want to do and I think, you know, see, even when we, well, when I put the podcast across a few forums and stuff like that, was a few. There's a few kind of catty little comments I saw on Facebook from a few fans stuff like that. Some of them came in before, well, within an hour of me posting the uh, posting the link, which makes you think, well, you're not listened, have you? So listen first if you can do that. You know about trusting Grattan and etc. And one thing I definitely and you've already mentioned this, but I, I cannot doubt his commitment to this club in any way, shape, or form. He genuinely cares about Castag, that's for sure. He's been there ten years now. He was telling me. And, you know, he's done an excellent job in terms of keeping the club afloat, essentially, because obviously they, they took over in a, in a very difficult situation for the club where we really did nearly go under. Um, so, yeah, his commitment to the club and, the and, you know, the, the board gets all the flack, but kind of there in black and white, isn't it, in terms of the results they've had. And, you know, he, he looked you know, genuinely disappointed with the on-field performance as well. This obviously wasn't the plan. We didn't, we didn't just sack off this year. It just hasn't gone to plan this year, has it? No, and knowing um, Mark, he, he's... he's definitely not happy about what's going on mm. on the field he wants to be winning he wants to sh- to see this club winning trophies up in top fours fighting for playoff positions yeah. me, me I'll be honest me and Mac didn't always see eye to eye on some stuff I, I, it could be quite argumentative at times and Mark is a financial wizard yeah he wants the club and make sure the, make sure the club is in a great financial position that cannot be argued. So when I see comments about people saying, oh, he's just, he's being cheap, he's taking the easy way out, he's just taking money out of the club. He's not. He's trying to make it better for everybody at the club as a whole. One thing I want to talk about is the stadium stuff. Yes. Obviously, that's going to be a big touch point. And obviously, Mark alluded to potentially, if Axiom, the Axiom development doesn't get passed, there's contingencies to use that two million pound uh, from the council to bring the stadium up to up to scratch and up to uh, standard, even in the interim, it's about securing the future for this club. They will make moves if their hand is almost forced. We'd we'd love a brand new stand and a brand new stadium if we could, absolutely. But it needs to kind of work for us as well. It needs to work in a time frame for us. We've obviously got a deadline of kind of 2024 to have these sort of even plans in place and something moving. So it was quite warming to understand that this board has thought about it and does have those contingencies in place ready to go if we don't get that sign-off sort of 
October, November, when kind of the planning permission comes up. Yeah, again, I, I kind of had that question ready to go, and that's when I went in in terms of, you know, I think with the stadium, in every other thing with the club, I mean, you all know me by now, 12, 13 episodes in, I'm pretty glass half full on various things. It's impossible to be glass half full with the stadium because I mean, I've been here my entire life with various plans that have never got, never kind of gone to plan. Um, so you always look at the stadium situation with a little bit of pragmatism. Yeah. And I had to do that going in. And uh, I think, you know, quite rightly, I'd, I'd have took some flack if I'd not pressed on on the stadium because why, why wouldn't I? Um, I wasn't sure the answer I was going to get was going to be as uh, as good as that, frankly. Um, not not to not mark all the club. I just genuinely didn't think all the communication we've had so far was we are 100% axiom and it's happening and da, da, da. And I think that still is the case, don't get me wrong. But yeah, I, I was quite heartened by the fact that they've gone, it still is the case and he, he admitted that. And look, we're, we're at the mercy of waiting for the council at the minute and that's just, that's just what it is. Um, one thing I did not ask about, but the reason is I don't think it's going to matter all that much. Uh, and I did wonder whether I get any comments about the whole environment agency and that kind of thing. If that was as big a deal as it was made out to by certain quarters, Mark would have mentioned it on the podcast, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I, I really don't think that's the issue people are thinking it, and it's just people have just read into the into the, term, the terms and conditions, essentially, what, what's going in. And it's just one of those things that, I mean, it's a massive million-pound development. Something like that is not going to stop um, the rest of it. Um, but, yeah, getting, getting back on track, I just... Yeah, I, I was really heartened by, by by what he said, and what he said just made a lot of sense. Frankly, like it wouldn't look the prettiest. Don't know what what they're saying, you know, in terms of kind of putting uh, seats in the Princess Street and that kind of thing. It, it's not going to look amazing. It's certainly not going to, you know, <laughs> it's not going to blow anyone's head off in terms of the look of the place. But it it would remain, or it would retain, should I say, a little bit of that traditionalism, I suppose. And ultimately, it's just about getting that extra point. It's as simple as that. And if there's a few changes they can make. Uh, from what I could tell as well, he's not going to take that whole two million either, and that, that's the kind of vibe I got. It wouldn't take all that money. Probably helps as well that half our sponsorships are, you know, involved in kind of local business stuff like that. I mean, it's the Mender Hose Jungle if all if you ever need hydraulics, I'm sure, <laughs> or something like that. Pipe work, I'm sure we're fine. Um, it can always help, and obviously CBR engineering, etc. I don't think it'd take the full two million. And it, yeah, it was interesting to hear him kind of go through it in a kind of fine tooth comb and go, "Here's just the little changes." which could make an, an absolutely massive difference, like throwing a few padded seats in there, uh, in the main stand, you know, putting the the rail, taking the railings from the Princess Street to the to the uh, Weldon Road end, which I've never even thought about. Um, it was interesting, to be fair, so we were actually sat uh, in the railway end, in the, one of the railway end boxes, and literally kind of gestured to the um, the Weldon Road end at that point and kind of said, there's, no, there's only like two or three, rails in there which i never even realized <laughs> to be honest i'm used to it being full <laughs> i'm used to it being well at least having people in i looked across and it looks pretty bare <laughs> when it, when it's fully empty uh so yeah that clearly needs something from a health and safety point of view as well um but yeah it, it was just really nice to see some proper pragmatism and like i say it, it, that that was a kind of a theme throughout the whole thing never mind just stadium little things they can do little things that can really make a massive difference and really just kind of bridge the gap between us and and the other clubs, as you said, we're, we're really not a million miles away on the grand scheme of things. As I just said, I mean, we can talk about fan base, for example. Mm. That, that one really stood out in the sense yeah. that TV viewership for that extra 0.25, we've probably got that based on what I hope. I mean, Castle Wakefield will have picked up a fair um, a fair bit of audience and he kind of suggested that the current figures were only 15k off and it wasn't included in that. 
So I'm pretty sure I went above that, depending on how many people watched there against Warrington. Fan base, in terms of the attendance, a couple of hundred off. All we need is to string a few wins together next year and we're fine. And that's a lot of points we get there straight away. It's just these little changes around the place that can really cement us definitely in that kind of 8th, ninth, 10th, uh, as he was suggesting, but really not even far off kind of 6, 7 either. No, it's, it, it were exciting to sort of see as he broke it down sort of points and, as you say, see where we could potentially just pick those little extras up, just with maybe wins going our way and obviously the club changing a little few things and it really was small things and it's... We spoke kind of when the grading first came out and we yeah. looked at sort of performance and as I'm sure many fans have done, sort of tried to work out where we might sort of land. And I know, I mean, yourself put us in that eight to sort of 10 range. We were like, we should be, we'll be okay. But we yeah. shouldn't be sort of sweating um, kind of the last few bits, the last few points. Um, we should be comfortable, but obviously we have a view of strengthening this, the club and working towards getting that A grade. We all look at the sort of stadiums as a big sort yeah. of down point of cast. But other than that, over the last few years, what's sort of stopping us from being that A, that grade A club? It's surprising. It? It, it genuinely, yeah, it took me by surprise. When he mentioned even uttered grade A, like towards the end of the part, I, I was a little bit, I was a little bit taken aback by it, but it made sense. It genuinely made sense in terms of what he said. And yeah, it, it, I came out of it feeling very, very positive. Very, very, very positive indeed. And um, it, it's nice to hear that we're just, you know, you look at like your, your super clubs, quote unquote, you know, you, you, you kind of, you, you guarantee grade A and stuff like that. And yeah. it, it, it's remarkable really when you think how close we are to them. And um, they probably don't even consider that. They probably don't even consider us a rival in any way, shape or form. But, if thing, I mean, it's a big if. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of yeah, things yeah. that would have to go right in order to be on that trajectory, and it could all, it could all go to pot, obviously. Um, but yeah, the whole thing. It was just really nice to get it in black and white, and it's just like I, said, I hope as many people continue to listen to that episode and actually kind of take it in. And I know it's an hour and fifteen long, and not everyone's got that kind of attention span. Obviously, we've got our kind of loyal uh, listener base now. There's probably kind of at the minute to be candid. There's probably about three hundred and fifty of you at the moment, which is. I'm amazed by it, to be honest, because we're still very early and obviously we're a very niche podcast. But there's about 300, 350 of you who listen to every episode, by looks things, which is mad. Obviously, there's kind of six, 700 who've now listened to this other podcast who are, you know, hopefully they have the attention span as well and they're used to this kind of thing and the podcasts aren't for everyone. But yeah, hopefully everyone kind of took in what was being said. Um, we were actually mentioned on uh 4020 live the other day or the or the idea of the Grattan doing the interview was mentioned. I don't think we were name checked, but there was it was a I don't know, I don't know. Well, come we'll on guys. There. We'll get there. <laughs> uh but there was a mention they were speaking about cast and there was a mention uh of Mark Grattan uh, making comments uh in the week and they had a bit of a chat about it and it, it still kind of after like five minutes in I had to turn it off because straight away it was like they, they just defaulted to the if they go down, I can't see a way back. He's like, well, have you listened then? <laughs> You've not really listened to what he's had to say. Or the pe some people within rugby league, maybe the media, just think he's lying. But, yeah. I mean, which, you know, I mean, they're, they're entitled to that opinion. I don't think it's a very intelligent opinion. They're just going to take him as a, take it as downright lies when he's given some facts. But 
it might have something to do with the fact that the uh, I won't name him, but the guy on Forty Twenty Live, pretty associated with Adriano, so you you know mm. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, no I, I, to be fair, I, I generally like his work. To be fair, I just no, thought that was a bit good. That was a bit good over there. Yeah, yeah, there they are. Um, I, uh, yeah, I've spoke to Richard a few times. Well, he, he's, he's, despite being a Wakefield fan, he's he's, he's all right, Richard. Um, but yeah, it, it's just hopefully everyone took Grattan's words for what it were. Uh, obviously, I appreciate everyone listening, and um, maybe exciting, maybe exciting. Cautiously optimistic, I think will be the way I, I walked out the ground uh, the other day, and I'm very excited, obviously, to get back down there and, and speak to Danny. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, because I think that'll be potentially even more exciting. Uh, assuming the next few weeks go as we hope they will and we'll get onto that in a sec uh, and we can actually put that squad together for next season because obviously we've already discussed it at length we're quite excited about what the squad could be next year um, alright let's lower the tone a little bit let's talk about yeah. Warrington <laughs> I know, at, some, at some point we've got to move on to the unfortunate performance that was Warrington haven't we we do, we do. Uh, let's take this one on then. Um, 66-12 in the end ended uh, at Warrington. Um, I was working, unfortunately, so I had, I had the, the joys of catching this one on Sky Sports. Um, I, just before we get into the game, I want to say massive effort, massive well done to the fans that went over there. Um, you know, Saturday three o'clock. For some people, it's absolute bliss. For others, it's a bit of a te- it's a bit of a tester as well. Getting over there, obviously weekends, you know still just towards the back end of the summer holidays and all that kind of thing, but it was a, it was a good faithful going over there. Lots of good Danny Ward masks, lots of good blue shirts. Rate that. That was really, really good. And it, by that, all, was, that was great to see, wasn't it? It were, and by all counts, it was a great away day. So I hope you all, hope you all enjoyed it, despite the result uh, and maybe aspects of the performance as well. Um, but the game then, the game, a really, really, really frustrating one, wasn't yes. it? Because Incredible. it's one of those games where We'll talk. We'll come on to the second half, but ultimately, for, when you've watched as many rugby league games as we have, you know you're losing ten minutes in because you lose three. You lose three players early doors, and you're playing a pack like Warrington's with, you know, Tom McKayley's playing and, and Paul Vaughan's playing, and you know we'd started with. I love Sammy All, but we'd started with Sam All at prop, and he's probably got a few more years before he's kind of matching it up with someone like Paul Vaughan. That's for sure. Yeah. So in terms of size, you lose three guys early doors, and you're just thinking. Even if we played to our absolute best in that game, we'd have really, really struggled because we'd have just gassed, wouldn't we? Yeah, it's so tough to even just lose one player off like uh, early on because your rotation just gets thrown completely. But to lose, what who do we lose? Sam Hall, George Lawler, who obviously started at hooker, and Tassi Parley over at centre, and so we had to rejig and put. Or it Foster that went to centre again. I think Foster went to centre, yeah, and um, yeah. And then obviously, think, Jordan Johnson yeah. had to play big minutes in in the middle at hooker. That was the big one, wasn't it? Because obviously, Lawler would have been the rotation yeah. there. Of what it was the rotation, I think he started hooker, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, losing so, that, it's tough. It throws you completely, and it's a big ass for those guys in the middle to really kind of dig in against, as you mentioned, a pack that can be quite dominant when they get rolling. We've not seen it all season long, but in, in, in fits and starts, they've been a very tough pack to kind of match up against. So Mickey Ailey's back. Obviously, he started the season unbelievably, went back over to Australia and, and has returned and seems to be a monster still. So it's it's a tough one. 
It really were. It really were. Yeah, they had they had some. Like you say, the first eight weeks of the season, that looks like one of the best packs we've seen in Super League, wouldn't it? And it, it's not really, it's not gone away. Um, they did just for whatever reason their form dropped off, but it does look like now, all of a sudden, it's two wins in three after that, uh, that 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 terrible kind of eight week run uh, they had recently, which obviously resulted in Pauli's departure, and they look like they're just maybe starting to peak uh, at the right ish time. I still personally don't think. They're going to be right up there and challenging. I, I I don't think they can. I think they'll be a playoff team now. I think they're securing the playoffs, but I actually don't think. I think we flattered them a little bit, to be honest. Uh, the, the situations. I mean, sixty six twelve. I must admit that the, the, the punditry on Sky Sports is interesting <laughs> at times. I don't love it. Very diplomatic time. way to describe it. I'll be honest. Yeah, I I actually think John Wells was probably the best one on Saturday. He was probably the most pragmatic about it, but. It's easy for, I think, a pundit to, to look at the scoreline after a game and go 66-12, they've scored 40 points pretty much in the second half and go, oh, they pick it at the right time, they're going to win the grand final. But yeah. if, if you look at the performance from Cast in the second half after everything that happened, and we'll talk about kind of how we got to that point. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not sure that scoreline was an, an accurate, uh, it's an accurate view of what that, what that side is actually capable of which just makes our performance more frustrating to be honest because I yeah. really don't think Warrington are still that good I really don't I think they're a way off the Wiggins probably St. Helens as, as they're starting to peak and assuming Catalans don't drop off completely uh, I think Catalans are a better side as well yeah. Um, but yeah so let's talk about the the highlights of the game I should say here's from a cast perspective the entire first 10 minutes was pretty good yeah solid <laughs> but that's 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 a theme isn't it uh, I was thinking about this Specifically in home games, not so much away. Obviously, we did do it at the Halliwell Jones, but all season long, to be fair, we, we tend to start pretty quick. We, we tend to come out of the blocks quite well in the first five, ten minutes. Um, this is a rare example where we actually put points on the board. Mm. Um, but even a week before uh, at home to St. Ellen's, we had, I think, pretty much three sets of six inside the first five minutes and really should have scored. And we had to think we will take on the left wing, a ball pass, maybe not the best pass in the world. If you're Greg Eden on the left wing that day, you kind of feel like you go in four six nil in the first five minutes, realistically, and you shoot me a look. But we would, so it's a fact. We um, would. <laughs> and at this time, we actually did get uh, on the board. Obviously, Samuel uh, going over yeah. for his first try of the year, and um, it took it pretty well, didn't it? To be fair, it, it did. It did. It's, it's a good. It's a good line for to run, and he reached out well to score that. It's it's exciting to see Samuel get over at. We've spoke about it on this podcast a few times. How big fans we are of of him, and, and kind of looking forward to what he might turn into. But we kind of forget he's a solid player right now. And yeah. I think against St. Helens uh, at home last week, he really stepped up against that pack. I think yeah. in in certain, and I thought it was probably arguably man of match, um, which is, makes it a little bit. Um, Saddening that we he obviously took a bit of an head knock and went went off not long after. Um, but you mentioned it there. We start okay. We sort we seem to have sort of that first five minutes where we we want to be in the arm wrestle. We really want to fight, and it's just not turned into points very often. And we haven't been able to have that good starts because that's normally the time after that ten minute mark where. We maybe give a silly penalty away, give the other team a chance, and they go. They seem to take their chances of going score, and we're on the back foot again. And more often than not, it's it's crumbled a little bit. 
It's the same oh. script, isn't it? It's the same script yeah. every week. It's ten, yeah. like as you say, it's ten minutes. We score or we don't. More likely we don't. And then yeah, if there's a silly penalty or there's a knock on, um, or, or they maybe get six again, and it's just and like I say, they they take the chance. And I wonder how many tries we've conceded between the kind of ten and twenty minute mark oh. this season. I bet it, I bet it's hefty. I bet it's hefty in their in their um in the opposition's advantage. Um, and then. Do the heads go down a little bit? I think I think with some players they do. Uh, I think some players, not all, not all. I would say, and I think I think I think I put on Twitter at half time, especially in, a little bit later on. I thought there were some good performances in there, uh, at least some effortful performances. I'm not, I mean, that should be the minimum. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> uh, but there was certainly some of that um, on Saturday, and there's been some of that just generally since Danny Ward took over. I think. Mm. Um, others not so good. Others not so good, and there's a. That there's an element of queue in the rack sometimes when things go against us, and that's just what we've been talking about all year. To be honest, we can kind of go on endlessly about you know these players who've maybe outstayed the welcome a little bit at the club, and just kind of probably just want the season to end. To be honest, there's a few. There's an element of that, but it, it's unacceptable, isn't it? Danny Ward said himself, it's unacceptable. And yeah. interestingly, as well, Danny Ward called it out, didn't he, in the press conference afterwards, and I think even on Sky um, mentioned didn't name players, but you don't want to expect him to do that, but you know, quite outspoken and said, you know, players have given up there. Yeah, uh, it, which, which they certainly did in the second half, didn't they? Yeah, it looked like sort of after the hour mark, obviously we can, we can pinpoint the time that it happened. Of course, yeah. He's, he's obviously the Miller Simbin here. He goes in the Simbin and at that point, it, well, what, 18-12, yeah. just not long after the Greg Eden just try and we yeah. sort of looked like we were pulling ourselves a little bit back into into things. Miller obviously gets Sinbin for attack for the kind of spear tackle on Pete Metaltier and that seemed to be all she wrote and Warrington seemed to just score try after try. And it was a very much of a case of we just rolled over and showed us soft underbelly once again, which has been a story a lot of the time this year, which is unfortunate. It is it is great to see Danny Ward actually calling the team out and calling the players that didn't put the effort in out. I'm sure he has gone back into the changing rooms and in sort of review, sort of um, Sunday, Monday, called out those players. He seems like that sort of person where he will kind of call call certain players out. And I'm sure there's been some honest conversations, which has probably been most review sessions this year. I feel like we've been turning around and saying, I'm sure there's been some honest conversations in, in that room. Um, but it'll be... I don't know if I'm hopeful of a reaction because it's sort of the first real poor performance under Danny Ward. I wouldn't yeah. like I wouldn't like to say say Allen's was. There were still uh, promising aspects of that performance that, and that's maybe the glass half full of us. Probably, of. yeah. Um, there's an element of that. I think Saints, like like I said, I think you talk about form teams. Saints are coming good at the right time, and yeah. It's a very difficult time to play St. Helens, isn't it? Especially when they've got one eye on retaining that league leader shield. And but at the same time, we were were we thirty points thirty points down at half time or near enough. It's still not yeah. good at home, you know. I mean, I think great. again, Ward said it was unacceptable to, uh, to yeah, do that. At least we had that second half, though. Uh, at least um, you talk about Ward himself and kind of responses from the players and, and such and such. It, it brings me on to the press conference today, which I listened to. Uh, obviously, spoke to the press head of the whole game and. Um, he said, yeah, honest conversations is a, a bit of a touch point, but he said that was very much the case in, in the changing rooms after the game. Uh, he said the place was 
pretty bleak. Uh, yeah, I think he literally referenced it as saying it was probably the worst one in terms of the mood, the worst changing room that that it been in rugby league. But also he said it should have been as well, and that's mm-hmm. right. It, it, I think he'd probably been upset if he was upbeat, to be honest, as 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 we would have been. Um, and said that the leaders spoke very very well. Uh, apparently, when on on reflection uh, after the game, and presumably that's that's Joe Westerman, um, who. I think, as we mentioned at, at the game last uh, week, actually, mm. um, St. Ellen's ease. Uh, I, I still don't think the club actually came out and officially announced it, but he is captain. He now. has been. He's been leading the team out most weeks since Macca's Macca's injury. Not. It's not been Alex Meller. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The club haven't actually officially kind of said mm. anything. But I guess it's just an internal thing. But for those unaware, pretty much since Danny Ward took over, and maybe even since, yeah, pretty much before that, since Macca went down, uh, West is. It is de facto captain leading the team out, etc. I think one of the players even mentioned it on the recent uh, Tiger Talk where they're talking about the players. They mentioned Westin, uh, one of them. And yeah, we mentioned this before the podcast. Uh, um, it's audio, so I'm not sure which player it was, to be honest, who said it. <laughs> but one of them made out the point that uh, uh, he is the leader and he is the, currently the captain of the team. And I think that's a good decision, mm. generally. So you'd like to think Westy was one of those players. You'd like to think Gareth Woodard was one of those players with all his experience. You certainly like to hope so. Um, obviously, Watsy wasn't involved, but that that kind of player, um, probably Greg Eden as well. You know, any of these players can knock onto the thirties. Maybe the whole team. <laughs> you know, what I mean, maybe they can all step up and say something. Maybe they yeah. should be doing. Um, but yeah, honest conversation apparently were had. It was good, progressive situation uh, conversation apparently after the game. And on review, uh, you mentioned that apparently there wasn't really much review. They didn't. Uh, this was very much the approach of we're going to come in Monday. We're going to draw a line under it because there's probably certainly in the second half. Apart from the first five minutes, there's probably not all that much you can take from it, apart from never do that again. So, yeah, I think he's probably taking the right approach there. And so you just write that one off and just go, well, at the end of the day, you're, you're what, how many rounds are we, are we 24 rounds in, 25 rounds in, whatever it is? You're not going to learn anything new uh, from watching that, to be honest. It's not like you're, you're kind of learning learning your systems at this at this stage. We're in, a big, we're in big trouble for learning systems <laughs> in September, that's for sure. Um so, yeah, it, it, hopefully they're just ripping in, uh, as Danny Ward said. Uh, he said he was quite happy with the reaction. Big week of training. The club are hammering it up, as they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they mentioned nearly 70% of tickets have been sold, so at least 7,000 down there, which should be be nice to touch on eight, uh, maybe even a little bit more. Hulk FC generally travel well, even though there's not much riding on it for them. Uh, and we'll come on to that in a sec, but... Yeah, a reaction. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully there is. Uh, I mean, because, look, Regardless of who you're playing, regardless if it's away from home, it's embarrassing, isn't it? It's going to see 66 points is embarrassing, especially yeah. when so many of them are coming so thick and fast. I mean, every time you looked up, there was another, there was another break. There was another, yeah. and the, the really brutal thing as well is, Warrington probably bombed about four tries. If you look, if you look back at the highlights, Matt Dufty I think puts two down. Yeah, um, it, could have it, been it, so much worse. It should have been. It could have been 80. It could have very easily been 80. And you know, I think. You know, we talk about the experience of this side and how it's almost too experienced uh, in some regard, but they've got pride or they should have some pride and not one of them can turn around and go, yeah, for some of these as well, this might be their last gig in two league. Yeah. They can't be turning around, looking at themselves in the mirror and going, that might be one of my last performances. It could be, could be for some of those players, that could be their last performance on Sky Sports. You know, they, they've got to turn something around in the next three weeks or we are truly are finished if, they, if they're not mm-hmm. going to do that. I think um, will be will be my take there. Um, 
Anything else on Warrington? I mean, we could talk about the tip tackle, I guess, but I mean, it's just one of them things, isn't it's, it? It's, yeah. it's just, it was just, it, it was silly, wasn't it? We've yeah. seen it come, we've seen it come in over the sort of the last 12, 18 months. That tackle's just not acceptable anymore. It's a pretty much a quick and easy decision for it to be at least 10, in, 10 minutes in the bin. If not, if it gets a little bit more straighter and Pete lands more on his head, that would have been a red card and would have been down to 12 men for the last half an hour, never mind 10 minutes. So just is what it is. It's one of them where you've got to deal with the kind of decision and the action that's happened. We need to handle when we're down to 12 men a lot better than we did. Um, a lot of people have, I know have been blaming Miller, but he wasn't on that field for that 10 minutes that kind of saw the game run away from us. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one in terms of, I mean, I, I, mean, I was frustrated in the moment. I think I might have put yeah. some on Twitter. I think it was a silly tackle. Uh, like, like, you, like you said, it's 18 months, if not longer, in, in, in the running in terms of what that, any time you go the horizontal, that, that is what it is. Um, I do think the club will probably write to appeal it. Um, yeah. Why not? Basically, you might as well have a go. Um, the appeal degrading rather than the actual yeah. guilty plea. Uh, they didn't obviously plead not guilty to it because it's clear as day that he does tip him, but... I guess the, the, the element with the um, disciplinary, and that's a whole different issue, and I think there's a lot of people upset in rugby league at the minute about the whole disciplinary. I mean, I think two or three Salford players just completely got off this week <laughs> after they got off on the Tuesday after being disciplined on the Monday. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit silly. It's just become a court case drama. Uh, it's really quite quite silly, to be honest. But um, I, I guess I think we were more within our rights to do this because, I mean, he's going to miss a game now. Obviously, I don't think he'd had. A, I don't think he'd been cautioned this season. I think it was his first. Um, and yeah, were we not punished enough? <laughs> There's an element of you know, there's gone four tries in ten minutes. I, 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 think, I think yeah, I think we've taken as punishment there. Yeah. Um, to be honest, without having to miss him for a game, and you know, I, I think you know, I, th- I think it's very easy as well. So obviously, we've seen the comments, and I, I don't condone a lot of it. To be fair, as, as much as it's been. You know, I've not been Jacob Miller's biggest fan this year. Obviously, I think he's been a shadow of the player he was, or certainly a shadow of the player we thought we'd signed last season. I still don't think it's good to be going on social media and kind of certainly not tagging him and stuff. And, you know, certain fans doing that. I mean, he's still a cast player. He's got a three-year contract, for God's sake. I mean, I don't think that's necessary. I don't think that's big or clever, to be honest, to be calling him out personally. Um, You know, he's still a bloke in a cash shirt at the end of the day. And, you know, we're fans and we all watch a lot of rugby league games, but ultimately we're not professional coaches or anything like that. We don't understand how vastly important having a steady halfback who's got 10, 15 years of professional experience in the game, even if even if he's not in form, having him out of the side completely changes the balance of your entire side and it will be tough this week. Yeah. It will be tough. And we'll get onto the opposition. Obviously, they're going to be finding it pretty tough as well. But no matter who we pick, missing missing even out of form, Jacob Miller does make us worse, regardless of how you, there's a fair few Twitter warriors out there who probably would say I'm an idiot for that. I don't think so. And I don't think Danny Ward would be saying that we're a, we're a better team without Jacob Miller either, would he? It, it makes us worse because we have to then rejig the team around certain players. We have to move certain other players out, out of their probably better positions to accommodate Miller being missing. Looks likely that it'll be potentially Broadbent. I know we'll come on to we'll yeah. see a little bit more in a minute, but it looks like it 
probably be Brabant. We'll probably leave Widdop at fullback where he's been playing regular. So that means we'll have to replace, sort of fill in somebody at centre while we're already trying to replace last week's centre with Tassi Pale being injured. Yeah. So the jigging about doesn't help. And we talk about the fact that Miller's not had a halfback partner all year long, a consistent one. Well, it's happening again now with Austin. Miller's not there. He's not going to get that consistency with Miller. And we spoke about Miller's improved performance at the Wakefield game of having that experience half next to him. We, and we've maybe made a, a few excuses for him this year, shall yeah. we say, on this podcast, and maybe given him the benefit of the doubt. And we probably have done that with a few players, maybe, and maybe been a little bit easy, but. This is not what this podcast is about. We're not going to come on here and start slating players and calling individuals out for the performances because it's not constructive. End of the day, these guys are, are, are regular people as well. I don't want to say they've got feelings. They can't, yeah. as, as, as maybe childish as it is to say, but they have feelings and they, they all go on social media. And if all they're seeing is sort of kind of hate and vitriol and just people who are supposed to be fans of the club doing nothing but wishing ill on them, mm. which some of some of the comments do go that far, which are absolutely not condoned by, or shouldn't be condoned by anybody involved as, with the club as a fan of the club, as a fan of the sport. Yeah. Should be nowhere near social media. So, but we'll see. On, on to next week. We can... Yeah, yeah, nope. I, I, I agree. I think, yeah, final point on that. Forget about it. Yeah, criticism's okay. Criticism's fine. We've criticised, I've criticised, yeah. I'll criticise on Twitter, I'll do all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's a difference between criticism and just, yeah, just having a pop at someone. And it, it, it's, like I say, it's not constructive. And you've got to think as well, regardless of how the player feels, Jacob Miller was going to have, there'll be good friends within the cast team now with, with Jacob Miller who are going to back Jacob Miller over. Yeah. Faceless person on Twitter, you know. What I mean, faceless person on Twitter who was claiming to support Cass. Do you not think that Jacob Miller's friend, who could be any one of our cast players, is going to feel a little bit less likely to put in a full-on performance this week if he's thinking, well, the fan base is against one of our own players? You know, it's you got to think about just just think about your actions, really. Think about your words, and we all get mm. frustrated. And I think Chris yeah. is fine, but there's online, and uh, it might have been crossed a couple of times. This not by everyone, but I think it might have been crossed a couple of times. Um, this past week, let's just give that a break. Um, and let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to Hull. Hull FC, a big old game. Well, they're all big. I mean, ever since you kind of came on as a kind of co-host, they've all been cup finals, haven't they? Basically, they're pretty much the start. <laughs> and um, you know, it really is getting getting tight now. Three games each now for us and Wakefield. Um, if we can, we're now at the stage. I do believe if we can push it out to four points, that'll be it. I'm pretty confident of that now. I don't think they're not going to win all their last three. I'd be amazed if they win the last three. If they do, I think I said this weeks ago, but if they get out from this situation, if we were to win another one, fair enough. You, you, you hold your hands up. If they can win their last three, then credit to them, frankly. Yeah. Uh, there is rumours, obviously, that Dave Theater is potentially playing his last game this Friday as well. Potentially, uh, uh, There's rumours of a plane booked on Saturday. He's heading home, we'll see. They've got Will Dagger injured. It's going to be tough from Wakefield's perspective, I think. So I do believe one more win would near enough do it. And there's a there's an opportunity, because I believe they actually kick off at half past seven this week, Wakefield, or it's a little bit earlier. So we could, in an ideal world, in the idealistic world that I live in, 
there could be a situation tomorrow night where we know Wakefield's final result tomorrow. Touchwood, hopefully Catalan get a result. We could be not too bad on the scoreboard. And if we can pull off a win tomorrow night, we could be feeling a hell of a lot better for ourselves because we could be four points clear with two games left and a positive point difference, which would be near enough as makes no difference done, uh, I think, at that point. So, huge game. Huge game to really put the pressure on and pretty much end it. And the opponents of Hull FC will get onto our squad in a sec, but let's talk about the opposition uh, Opposition to start with. Hull FC, crucially, 10th spot, nothing to play for, really. Uh, it's essentially a dead rubber for them. There's still not as many kids in their squad as I would like, <laughs> but <laughs> there is a few. Uh, and crucially, which we need to talk about, so it's, it's kind of the be all and end all of their squad, really. There's a real halfback problem, isn't there? Yeah, there's a very big lack of natural halfbacks, we'll call them. They've obviously got some guys that have played there in the past, but obviously losing Jake Truman, I believe he's ruptured his Achilles, which yeah. is, is never nice to hear. I know there's been a few guys that have done that over the past couple of years and they've never really looked the same player. And obviously it's a back-to-back bad injury for Truy. Um, obviously having... In my at cast, we maybe have a little bit of more sympathy for him. Um, it's obviously a bad look, and we, we we never want to see players, especially players of his talent, out for long periods. So no, it's just just untrue. It's terrible. I mean, you must be what twenty four, maybe uh, twenty three. Not 24. old at all. Not old at all. But obviously, we obviously we all commend him for what he did in the cash shirt, and you know, listening to comments that have been made by his agent in the past as well. He did a lot of what he did in the cash shirt for not that much money. In the, in the grand scheme of things, and he probably held on for a little bit longer than other players would have done on uh, on lesser money, on kind of not his youth deal, but probably just worn up from his youth deal. So he was putting in performances as our starting six on not really starting six money in Super League. So he really kind of did us a favour for a few years and obviously put some great performances in. Uh, part of a great academy side, obviously, as well. Um, we'll never forget that hat-trick at Wigan uh, <laughs> when he made it. I think it was his first start, wasn't it? Yeah, first um, start. I remember having a go at journals trying to say that it was his debut, but it wasn't. It, 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 it come yeah, on against St. Ellen's, hadn't it? Yeah, he came off the bench. Yeah. I think in a, I think it were in a cup game against Saints. I think, I think we're getting battered, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, we got absolutely pummeled. We, which, which always happened when we played St. Ellen's, no matter what, I think. Um, but yeah, it was his first Super League start, scored that hat trick over at the uh, DW. Yeah, what it's called now. I think it still was. Yeah, he gave us some magic moment. So yeah, I mean, just just yeah. I don't know if you listen to this or if anyone or if any whole funds the whole funds might listen to this potentially. Potentially, uh, head head of the game. Uh, we genuinely kind of offer our uh, condolences really to uh, to, to Truy and hope he get hope he gets well yeah. soon. I did read a Tony Smith comment the other day saying that hopeful he's back for February next year, and I hope he is. Because uh, fingers he, crossed. I mean, there's a there's not too many good, really good British halves in the game, and it, yeah. it can only be good for the game if we've got more there. Um, so I hope True is okay. But the other one, obviously, we've known True has been out for a few weeks, but Jake Clifford has also seen uh, the blunt end of the disciplinary this week uh, for a, I don't even know what it was, off-field incident, I think I, I think I read. I'm not, I'm not even sure. entirely sure what he did, uh, but he got a one game as well. Um, so that kind of levels out Miller a little bit and probably to an even greater degree because obviously it's all been on his back uh, with True out. And Clifford's been maybe a top five player in the league this year at his best. Uh, yeah, definitely. He have picked up a lot of Man of Steel points uh, standing out in whole performances, uh, despite their kind of lack of form. Uh, and obviously he's heading back to the NRL next year, so that's the level he's at. So yeah, in terms of options, they've got at six. 
I mean, I'll, I'll read through options who I think could play there, and then you can kind of name your six and seven that you think will go there. I think that's I think that's a smart thing. So, looking at this team list now, Tex Hoy could. Yep. I wouldn't have really put him here, but I've heard a few Hall fans say Carlos Tumavavi could. He has played he there in the past. Yeah, uh, Liam Sutcliffe will have played. I mean, he was once <laughs> he was supposed to be the next six at Leeds United. Yeah. One time, at least the next thirteen. Uh, so Sutcliffe, you're throwing there. I guess Danny Houghton and Joe Loverdua, and then you get into probably Brad Dwyer uh, would yeah. probably be the last one who could play some kind of pivot role. So it's it's pretty slim pickings, isn't it? Who do you think will be six and seven for Hull on uh, on Friday night? Yeah, I think it is. It is slim pickings, and I'm sure it's not a situation that Tony Smith and Hull FC fans want to be in. Kind of thinking who's going to lead them around the field. Um, I think they will go obviously. Uh, Litton at fullback. Yeah, that's, that's big. For pretty, them. pretty solid in there. He's kind of their future in that position, I believe. Um, and has put in some decent performances as well from bits of games that I've seen. Um, I think Tex Hoy takes one of those spots in the halves. I think his experience, obviously, having played in the NRL and the experience that he's got sort of around the world. Lends, his, lends itself to being able to sort of man a team a little bit better. It's the other other half that is a little yeah. bit up in the air for me. I think we'll see Texar in there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go for Houghton with obviously having Brad Dwyer there to sort of take over that hooking role. I yeah. don't 100% think it would be the greatest choice, but I think it's a... a Best of the bad bunch sort of thing. It's a steady one, isn't it? It's it's, it's a steady yeah. it's a steady call if they go there. And I mean, realistically, if that if that's the route, um, they're really banking on Tex Hoy creating a bit of magic, really, because Danny Houghton, you're not going to get a great deal from the halfback position. He's got, he has had a kicking game in the past. I think he, he knocked a few forty twenties over from from acting half and things, but he's not going to offer a great deal of kicking game. That, that's that's what that's what's going to really let them down, isn't it? Really, I think the kicking game is going to be. Yeah, and nearly non-existent, I think, uh, from Hull, hopefully. Touch wood, unless, of course, Texoy has, has an unbelievable game. But yeah, it's one of, they're in one of those situations where we've been in all year, really, where you've got to do this kind of rejig at halfback. We're going to have yeah. probably a brand new halfback partnership for the first time this, this week as well. But it's not so much the halfback partnership, it's the, it's the effects elsewhere. Um, and like I say, thankfully for them, Davey Litton's back in the side, so that'll fill in the fullback uh, position. I actually think Litton's really good. I think mm. he's one of their better, uh, their better youngsters. So yeah, they're probably going to be a situation where yeah, Brad Dwyer will probably go in at nine in that situation. I think it, I think it'll be Dwyer or Houghton. I'm not entirely entirely sure. They might put Dwyer there, but it's kind of yeah. mix and match. Whatever the other one will play play at nine, and then they're probably going to have to put Joel Overdoer on the bench. Yeah, he was just going to fill in wherever. Um, I mean, he was even linked with us earlier in the year. He's been kind of surplus to requirements yeah. really, so he's not exactly a player in form. So. Yeah. <laughs> you look at this whole team and you go, they've got nothing to play for either. Are they a little bit there for the taking? I think by Hull fans' admission, really, they kind of are there for the taking. Even if you look at the backs, I mean, Liam Sutcliffe's carrying a knock. He, he, I mean, he's a good player on his day. He's carrying a knock. And Carlos Timavave, good player, always seems to score against us, to be fair, Carlos Timavave, but he does. getting a little long in the tooth as well. Um, the real key for them is Chris Satai, isn't it? He's been their focal point all year. Obviously, he's moving on to Catalans. 
uh, at the end of the season. Absolutely massive, massive unit. Um, caused absolute chaos against us at the MKM recently. Um, we played them back in summer. Uh, I think I put on Twitter as well. No matter what happens at halfbacks, we're going to have our problems there as well. Yeah. Chris Satai is probably the key to this game, isn't he? I think. Yeah. It, you look at the sort of results we've had. I mean, we've played Hull FC three times this year already, and we haven't won any of them. No. I've got it down here. It's, we lost 32 30, 32 8, and then 36 18. Yeah. Apart from that one early on in the year that were 32 30, we, the other two aren't really close. No. So they've handled, handled us quite handedly in sort of past games this year. And it has looked like it has been a bit of a forward battle where they've won it. Well, I want to say battle, but they've won that forward battle clearly and really been able to dominate us in the physical game and really lay a platform for their more skillful players to kind of pick us apart then. So even though they are maybe down on certain troops or maybe have a few knocks that might hinder them a little bit, there's still going to be a, a bit of a challenge as much as we might hope that they're there for the taking and might roll over and let us maybe pick up a win <laughs> when they've got nothing to play for, fingers crossed. Um, so I think it's still going to take an effort from us. It's going to take probably our best game of the year, I feel. Up there. Which, yeah. which if... We've got a time to really put a performance in. Now's the time in this real crucial crunch time in, in this running. So, no, no, I think you said it best this this uh, morning. It's getting to that point of the uh, week where we're getting all a little bit excited and a little bit optimistic about what might be ahead. And we're thinking we might be able to do this. Yeah, and I think we've got to. Uh, we've got to think that. And like I said, I think satire is massive, and I think the forward battle is huge, as you say, because we've lost it too many times. We've lost the forward battle too many times, and that that's where we've kind of give that excuse for Miller in the past, isn't it? Or just the heart, the backs generally. Yeah. We've just lost that forward battle, and anyone who's played a uh, played as a back in in any level of rugby league knows if you lose a forward battle, you're, you're in trouble. You're instantly on the back foot, particularly in this era of um, six against as well. Dealing with satire is massive um, because. Unlike in previous games, and I would kind of maybe put the cup game to one side as well, because I think we were particularly under strength that day. Um, if you, well, you'd have to take Satay out of the game. I think you have to match him up with Liam Watts, who's had a week off again. Yeah. Um, so should be fresh in, in theory. I mean, we don't know if he's here next year. This is a this is potentially Liam Watts's final game at the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be a, which would be a big moment for him. I don't think it will be if we're in Super League. I think it'll be next year, but you never know. It's it's. I think Liam Watts could be absolutely crucial to this one because he's got to match up with Chris Satai, which is no easy task. But at the very least, he's got to be up to 95 percent of what Satai yeah. can do. And if he can kind of get in Satai's face and play big minutes uh, and deal with that threat while he's on the field, and we can match him up the middle, the rest of Hull's pack doesn't frighten me at all. I'll be honest, there's some hard-working guys in there. There's your Brad Fashers, there's your Jordan Lanes. John Lane gets a fair bit of stick as well off their fans. He's not, not the greatest. And even, even in the back row, you're looking at a former Tiger, actually, and Andre Savelio. And, yeah, you know, you're not talking superstars outside of him. Obviously, Scott Taylor's still in that team. And he's not done bad this year, to be fair, but Scott Taylor is, is what he is. You can kind of match all those forwards up to someone in our team. And I don't think we're a million miles away and we'll probably level, to be honest. Massey's back in our squad this week. He's no worse than any of those players. Uh, I don't believe. I think Sui Matangi back in is quite big. 
as well in terms yeah. of impact, in terms of size, in terms of what he can deliver even for that kind of 10-minute burst. I think this is probably our best opportunity of winning the forward battle we've had all season, to be honest. And it's about dealing with number 10, obviously. Uh, apart from Wakefield, I will take Wakefield out of that. I think most opportunities you do. Um, dealing with number 10 is going to be big, but he's not going to be on the field all game either. No. Um, so I think we've got to exploit when we are on the front foot. Yeah. Um, which brings us to our team. Let us have a look through in terms of how we're going to actually shape up. Obviously, we've kind of hinted at a few things already. Um, there were discussions during the week, obviously, when we knew Miller was out. What do we do? Does Gareth Woodup go at halfback? I think Danny Ward's comments in the press conference today, unless he's pulling a fast one. And Which he could he, be. He could be. He could be. He could be kind of keeping the cards close to his chest. And he's made a couple of comments in the presses so far already where he's a little bit cheeky uh, mm-hmm. in the press conferences. He doesn't mind a little uh, a little, <laughs> little, little mind game uh, with Mr. <laughs> Smith. Um, so it could be Gareth Woodup. But if you've got it, I will take his comments at face value and it won't be. I think Gareth Woodup is quite settled at fullback, uh, at least for the rest of the year. So I think Woodup will be at fullback. And I'm sure you agree on that one. And I don't think you change the wingers either, do you? No, no, I, I'd leave the wingers. I feel like those guys have been some sort, some uh, of the more standout performers, especially in the last few weeks. Um, Wallace and Eden, they give you a bit of strike. They give you, obviously, Eden's that X factor that could quite easily turn the game on its head and, and score that trick and that's it, Super League confirmed. Well, yeah. quite easy, could quite <laughs> easily be. I mean, he showed it against um, Wakefield, didn't he? Scored that trick, boom. So it's, you leave them the same. The questions start at centre, I think, and it's sort of that who replaces Tassi Pale in the centre. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, John Turner will start. I'm uh, very surprised yeah. that's not the case. Um. Yeah, it's one of the Alex's, isn't yes. it? I, I think I think it's going to have to be. Obviously, Brody's back in the side. I'm with you. I think he'll play him at six. Uh, I think yeah. Broadbent will play at six. Uh, I could be wrong because you could throw Westerman in there. Um, the other name he did mention was Eden, which would be interesting again because it'd be Eden and then, I guess, Gary Gary back on the wing. I don't think he'll do that. No. Uh, I think that's the one just to get a whole thinking. Obviously, he did actually... He did actually come here at six at Hull last year and beat them. <laughs> so True. you never know. Um, but I, I do think that the, the cleverer choice really would be Jack Broadbent going in. Probably don't have to let him do all that much, to be honest. Just ball carry. Just try and be elusive. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the call. And, and then that leaves the centre position uh, free, obviously. So, yeah, I think it's one of the Alex's. Uh, it'll be Alex Meller or it'll be Alex Foster. And it's kind of... At the, at the minute, it's probably much of a muchness, isn't it? I'm not really sure who'd be the better option. Maybe just Mella, I, I think, would be the slightly better option at this point. Um, and then maybe the other one just goes in the back row. But I mean, it, it's just it's just one of them, isn't it? Yeah, if one of them plays, one of them starts at centre, and one of them either plays back row or comes off the bench. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's a, it's an easy one. Is that it's just a toss of a coin, as you say. It's they're giving you the pretty much a similar performance and outcome yeah yeah I, th- I think so I think so so no major changes there I, I don't think and it's just going to be we're not going to be all that exciting on down, down the edge probably um, but hopefully the other edge is, uh, do, do, does the business for us uh, obviously uh, Blake Austin will, will play seven essentially um, it'll, it'll be the dominant halfback and probably not a bad thing because his kicking game has been good uh, generally um, 
it kind of handed those reins over to Miller a little bit, kind of 20, 25 minutes into the game uh, at Warrington. And there was a noticeable difference, unfortunately, mm. uh, I think, in the kick game. And I think having Austin kind of obviously it's his, it's his first and last game. Uh, oh, no, it's not his first game. Yeah, it will be his first and last game in the jungle yeah. uh, as a cast player. Um, yeah, letting him be the dominant half and <laughs> letting him crack on is, is absolutely fine. Uh, which brings us to the pack, which, like I say, I think is absolutely massive. Uh, it's, it's massive to the forward forward battle in this game. And I think the spine kind of speaks for itself, really, um, in the sense that I think Jordan Johnston will start. I don't know if you agree. I agree. Yeah, I think Johnston will start, um, particularly as they're going to be a little bit topsy-turvy at nine. Uh, and they're going to have to throw probably throw someone on after 20 minutes who's maybe not played all that many minutes recently at nine, yeah. or at least has not been that used to it. Maybe it's Lovadura has not played that many minutes. We then have the option of bringing Kane Robb on, which I think goes without saying that's a good decision, isn't it? Yeah, I think Kane Robb, there's a reason we've recalled him. We've not just recalled him to sort of sit in the 21 and not play. I think he'll he'll come off the bench. He'll really help spell Jordan Johnston, who we have maybe seen this year that he won't be able to do a full 80 on his own or be effective for 80 minutes. Um, so bringing that energy that Kane Robb has is perfect to sort of spell Johnson, give a bit of a different look to Hull FC if they are a little bit fractured in the middle. If we're looking to attack these periods where Sate is not on the field, a player like Rob's perfect for that, sort of getting around, play the ball and really take it to this, this uh, Hull FC defence. So having that sort of rotation is better. And I, I think for the last couple of times, we've tried to use Lawler as a rotation hooker, it's it's not worked because of injuries, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so having two dedicated hookers maybe make, alleviates that issue a little bit and hopefully, fingers crossed, no more injuries, yeah. which has kind of been the story of the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it's it'll be nice to see Kane Rob back in a cash shirt, causing, causing trouble like he always does. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be big. And my... Kind of buzzword for the rest of this kind of lineup is impact. Uh, I think, and he, he certainly adds that. Um, in terms of the rest of the pack, and I'll just I'll just kind of read, well, run through it and see if you agree. So essentially, yeah, JJ will start at nine. I think um, you start Watts because I think you've got to match Watts up with Sate early doors. You probably start yeah, Griffin. Well, yeah, you probably start Griffin um, because again, he's not necessarily offering that impact off the bench, but he'll be steady for the first ten. 15, yeah. 20 minutes all being well. And he has had a few performances dotted in, in recent weeks that haven't been uh, haven't been all that bad. Not he's not been a superstar by any stretch this year, but hopefully he could put one in in um yeah in, in his final home game of the year. Back row, it will be Kenny Edwards, and as we said, it'd be probably Meller or Foster. Uh I think whichever one is not at centre would I would just probably put in there. And I'm kind of easy on which one it is. And then obviously yeah. 13 uh would be Joe Westerman. Um so I'm sure you agree with that, essentially. The yeah. only other one may, might be if you want to start Nathan Massey, but... Yeah. Coming coming off a little bit of an injury, maybe he's not 100% fitness. Running him off the bench isn't the worst thing, but I feel like that rotation, whether or not you start Griffin or Massey, for me, is the decision. It's, yeah. It doesn't change a lot, I think. No, no, I, I agree. I agree with that. So that brings you on to the bench then. So obviously Kane Robbins is there, as we said. That brings a little bit of decision that I'll, I'll kind of give my opinion on this one, really. 
I think you're right. It'll be Griffin or Massey will be one yeah. of the spots. Probably Massey, as you say, coming off coming off the injury. I think you need his kind of stability. You need his defensive work as well. I think he's, he's crucial for that. It's one of those things that goes unnoticed. But I think Massey will be there, mm-hmm. which brings, I think it's a milestone game for him as well. I think it might, yeah. be, three, I think three, it might be 300 games. Yeah, yeah, 300 games, which is absolutely incredible for Nathan Massey, which I, when you think that it's they've all been at Cast Tigers as well. It's a testament to him, and I know he's got his little charity game coming up next week as well. So it'd be, and I, I know me and yourself are on about going down as well. So it'd be nice to see a lot of people there celebrating Massey and kind of showing him the love that he definitely deserves. Yeah, hundred percent. If you're heading down on Wednesday, uh, and you, if you recognise our faces, so do give us a shout. <laughs> if you are a loyal listener of the podcast, um, yeah, Massey be on the bench. That leaves two spots. I would go Sui Matangi. I agree with Matangi. And mm, I, I'm a little bit on two minds. I wouldn't mind giving Moise Mustafa a go, to be honest, in this one. Or Brad Martin. And that leaves someone out. And uh, we've, um, we kind of mentioned it a few weeks ago. I'm not sure Danny Ward will do this. This is very much my opinion. Yeah. I'm not sure Billy Sikrikas has quite delivered what we expected or what we hoped. And as we suggested a few weeks ago, we think Tassipala has. We're pretty sure Liam Horn has. Uh, if you're going to count Blake Austin in that, Blake Austin has as well, uh, to a certain degree. We weren't going to hit on all of them. No. I'm talking about impact off the bench. I said it's going to be a buzzword for me. I think certainly Sui Matangi, Probably even Muzzy Mustafa, to be honest, is going to offer more impact or at least energy off the bench than Billy Sikrikas is at the minute. Um, it, especially, as you say, if Satai is going to do that first 20 minutes, that kind of 20-minute to half-hour period is going to be vital in this game, I think. You can bring Kane Robin at the same time. You can almost like Paul mm. style, like he used to do, bring three or four subs on at once. Triple. You can hit them all at once. Um, you can bring Kane Robin for his, his explosive, explosiveness, get that kind of rook going. Hmm. I think I'd want Matangi running up at that point when they're a little bit smaller. And I quite like Mustafa's energy in there, to be honest. And hopefully it means he's been training really well and that's why he's back in the squad. I don't know what you think about that. And again, Brad Martin as well for something a little bit similar. Uh, so that's not a knock on Martin either. But yeah, what what would be your thoughts on those last two? No, I completely agree. I'll, I'll be honest, in complete agreement with you, I'd go with either Martin or Mustafa. I feel like when Muzzy's played, he has done nothing wrong. Or very little wrong. I feel like all he's done is brought energy, as you say, impact, and has really shown that he can he deserves to be at this level as a sort of that perfect bench forward that comes on, gives his all for twenty minutes and kind of goes in at half, probably goes in at half time blowing, uh, needing probably a big energy drink and sent back out, wound back <laughs> up and sent back out almost. Um yeah. Brad Martin's been solid as well when he has played. I know we, we, we're both going a bit wax lyrical about Muzzy. I feel like Brad Martin's definitely got a spot at this club going forward for years to come. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's he's looking better and better every time we he plays. We said a few weeks ago that we'd, we'd have Sam Hall and Brad Martin as almost two of the first names on the team sheet just to give them this experience towards the back end of the year because we just see them getting better and better for this experience. Um, because we see the potential that of what they're going to be. The Billy Creekus is just not 
been what we maybe thought or what we needed. He's mm. almost been a little bit of a passenger in, at times. I, I'm not 100% sure of what impact he brings going forward. I feel like his defensive game's a little bit better than him going forward, but not by much. Mm. Um, but, but as you said, we weren't going to hit on everybody. We'd love to have Liam Horn for this game. Obviously, the two-match bands, this is the second game, so we'll be back for next week. As much as we'd love when we speak about impacts and causing havoc for defences, we've seen that in Horn in just a couple of games. Yeah. And Tassi Pale is looking better and better as he grows into sort of the English game. So Krikus just hasn't been that for us. He hasn't been able to bring that sort of size over and that, almost that enforcer role that we've maybe wanted him to sort of deliver, especially with a, a forward pack that was maybe lacking some bite and some real grit. So it's a, it is a shame. Yeah, he's just not that. He's not in that mould, is he? I think he's he's just steady. He's just he's just, yeah. he's just really, really steady. But the problem is we've probably got too many we, steady props. <laughs> we don't need steady props at this. Yeah, we've got, when you look at sort of Griffin, is a, probably a steady prop. You'd say Massey's steady, but Massey brings a lot more with his defensive effort. Yeah. And his his, his uh um solidness in, in defense. Um so you don't want to carry another one, you want that impact forward that's really gonna kind of force his way through the line, really give you a platform for your halfbacks to play off. Yeah, and I think ultimately as well, because he's gonna be a bench player and also we're talking about the bench, you need someone who's gonna change the game. Or yeah. at least at least just just build momentum on like just just crank it up a notch a little bit and you look at all the great teams of like recent years they've all kind of got that they've got someone who can come off the bench and sometimes they're a bit grubby even you know what I mean our players like that I mean <laughs> I mean someone who Saints have carried on the squad for nearly fifteen years is Lou McCarthy Scarsbrook perfect example I know he played at thirteen but he's essentially a middle now yeah he's not the most talented player of all time he just but he comes on and you know he's there straight away yeah. and he's got the impact it's why. We've got to a lesser degree, and obviously he's 35 years old now. It's why I like Matangi in that role, to be fair. He's that kind yeah. of player. I think Matangi's certainly more in the vein of what we've needed rather than Zakri, because it's just a shame that Matangi's 35, and obviously this will be his final game for the club, uh, down the lane at least, uh, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Billy's done much wrong. It is just, it's just not the right situation for him. It, it, he's not the right player to add to a pack, I think, that's struggling to be on top, and as we said, has not really dominated the middle of the field all season long. He's probably not a bad kind of second string prop behind a really dominant one. Uh, you know, you put him next to you put him next to a fit Alex Wormsley at Saints. I'm sure he, I'm sure he goes fine. But we just don't really have that uh at the minute. So don't I have think, that luxury. <laughs> certainly don't. So I think as I say we go back to that kind of impact. And um that's why I'd go for just maximum impact, I think, off the bench and just maximum energy really. And like I say Matangi, even if you only get 20 minutes out of him uh on, on Friday, I think it's worth it. Uh just let him run it and while they're a little bit smaller on the field. Mozzie will run his ball to what, half an hour. And um, then, you, then you've got Masters kind of steady it once those two have obviously done the business along with Kane Rob, obviously. Uh, just to look ahead a little bit to next week, right? there is an interesting one because uh, of all the games left, obviously we'll get to Headingley and that's a whole different kettle of fish and it leads away. Anything can happen, always does. Um, the one we've pretty much written off as a fan base is Wigan away next week. Does mean that no matter what happens this week, even if Wakefield win, we lose, da da da. We just kind of throw caution to the wind against Wigan at the DW next week. We could have a one-two punch of Liam Horn and Kane Rob. I think we probably will, which is quite exciting actually, because we, we could just Ooh. we could just run it. Yeah, just that's, I mean, that'd be an interesting one. The very I feel like the very similar players 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't know how that kind of works, if that complements each other or they kind of hinder each other. Well, they're not going to be on the field at the same time, though, are they? Potentially. We could have a... Well, unless unless they do something different, maybe put, like, Horn at 13, maybe. Well, Rob's playing at 13, hasn't he? Um, And then they put West in the half, something like that. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could look at next week, but at least we'd have energy, at the very least, in the middle of the field, which is ultimately what we've just lacked. Uh, We've been lacking that for a while, and it all comes down to... You know the age of the side and various mm. things discussed on various podcasts. Um, so yeah, that that's pretty much how we see the squad going for tomorrow night. Uh, it's been a fairly lengthy chat. Obviously, we discussed Hull FC to start with, and yeah, I'm not going to ask for a straight up score prediction because I ain't got one myself. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> frankly. But yeah, for anyone kind of on the fence in terms of going down tomorrow night, obviously it's final home game. It's, if nothing else, it's your final opportunity to get down. Uh, to get down World Lane until well, February next year in whatever division we happen to be playing in, whether it be Super League, hopefully, hopefully touch wood, or the Championship even. Um, the weather's going to be good, that's for sure. It's very, very warm. There's nothing better than the Friday night sometimes uh, when it's 25 degrees down there. And it is the best opportunity we've got to pick it up a win. It's as simple as that. And Hull, they're not necessarily there for the taking, but they're as close as, uh, and I think... Um, it's one of those fixtures where actually the whole FC fans probably wouldn't even be that bothered if they lose tomorrow because they love they love casters in a way day. They probably want to keep it. Um, they might sacrifice this one. Uh, there was that, <laughs> I have seen quite a few Hull fans calling for like the kids to play tomorrow. I don't know whether it's necessarily to keep casting the division, but I mean they're clearly not that fussed about the result tomorrow night. So yeah, it, it would be a real demoralizer if we took a hiding tomorrow. It really would. Uh, we certainly wouldn't win another game uh, if we get a hiding tomorrow night, but. I do believe we're at least keeping it tight. And yeah, it's as good an opportunity as any. And I think if everything goes to what we've said over the last 25 minutes, so we've got every opportunity to win this game. And as I said, Wakefield play half an hour before. We'll have a pretty good idea what's going on there. They're playing Catalans, who have had a little bit of a wobble. But you look at those two 17s and it's really should be chalk and cheese, to be fair. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully the French get the job done there as well. And we could be all smiles, maybe, uh, <laughs> 24 hours or so from now. Um, yeah, any parting words before we, uh, before we get off and just start praying for a bit? Yeah, fingers are crossed. I can definitely say that. Um, obviously, for a lot of these guys, a lot of these players, it'll be their last home game in a cast shirt. We've got, obviously, we spoke about it at length before, a lot of people off contracts, a lot of people that will be moving on. We might get a, a bit of a performance boost from them wanting to sort of go out on a high in front of the cast fans. But I, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. You'd hope so. Obviously, these guys aren't going out to lose week in, week out. It's just an unfortunate situation that we're in. It's a promising sign. I'm I'm going in optimistic at least. Yeah. I think every cast fan will be because that's kind of the, the fan base that we are, and we have been optimistic all season long. Hopefully, we're sat, as you say, sat smiling. At least it'll be lovely weather and nice and warm, at the very least, anyway. But hopefully, we come out with a result that we want. Let's hope. Let's hope. I'll be down there. You'll be down there. Hopefully, loads of us will be down there. And like I say, at the very least, although I don't imagine it'll be a usual last home game of the season where you kind of get the players on the pitch and all that kind of stuff, I don't think that'll be the case maybe a little bit but obviously nothing's really decided in terms of contracts yet so I don't know really know what they can do there maybe for Jordan Turner uh, and yeah. a couple of players they've 
um, Nile leveled, for example, will probably get a bit of a, a bit of a clap at the end. But it is possibly, and like I said, we don't want this to be the case necessarily, but it probably is the case for some of them. You know, for, for cast fans out there, you know, we've followed this team for years and years and years. You've got Greg Eden, as I said, Jordan Turner, looking through the squad now, Joe Westerman, Nathan Massey, Jack Broadbent. I know he's got a deal, but various players, and obviously Liam Watson I mentioned earlier, there are multiple players there who could be playing the last game down the lane for, in, in a cash shirt. And probably Blake Austin as well. You want to throw Blake Austin in there. She won an only, won an only opportunity to see Blake Austin down, <laughs> down in that field, I'm pretty sure. Um, and, you know, there's certainly some players there where I hope, hope to God, that are here next year. And I think some of them will be, but they, they deserve uh, they deserve a fair, a fair clap as well. So certainly Nathan Massey as well in his 300th game uh, deserves, if that is to be his, his swan song. Um, he deserves a fair few down there because it is a possibility, although we won't know on the night. Um, hope to see you all down there. Thank you very much for listening once again. Thank you so much for the support of the last week or so as well. It's been, it's been enormous and obviously... Uh, the numbers are really kind of shooting through now. I think we hit 600 followers on Twitter as well. So do hit, uh, go over there at Coifcast. Give us a follow. We've got regular communication on there. You can ask us anything uh, and we'll generally get to it either on social or on a future podcast. Um, and yeah, just keep supporting. Keep supporting. And um, yeah, let's, let's pray for a win tomorrow night. Eh? Coif. <laughs> <laughs>